Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. John chapter 4, we're going to look at um, verses 5 through 18. I'm not going to uh, read all of those uh, just for the sake of time, but um, this is a story that you are familiar with. It's the story of the woman at the well. Jesus has this encounter with a Samaritan woman, and uh, this morning we are going to kind of take a look at that uh, in relation to relationships. And there's a lot of things to glean here. So we're kind of taking a little bit of a different path. We've been on prayer for the last uh, several weeks. And today, uh, I just kind of felt prompted uh, weeks ago by the Lord uh, to do something that was focused on relationships. So we're going to do that. And um, as we begin that, let's commit it to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for uh, the time that we've already shared, and Lord, your your presence has been so rich, and we just invite you to continue, Lord God, to move in our midst. We pray that your word would come alive to us, because you said it is alive and it is active. So Lord, we open our hearts to it, we receive it today, and we pray that its work would be accomplished in us. Lord, we thank you for the men's groups that are going on. We pray your blessing upon them. I pray, God, that uh, more men would become connected. I pray, Lord, that it would uh, be that kind of thing, Lord, where we see men from uh, our families and, and work and from outside the church, Lord God, becoming a part of something that introduces them to you and sees your work advance in their lives in a powerful way. Lord, we pray for Myra and her family and God, we just pray you'd comfort them. Lord, in this time, we thank you that her mom knew you and that there's hope of reunion one day that will be eternal. But Lord, as Carlos travels, be with him. Be with Pastor Sprecher. Lord, may things wrap up powerfully. Lord, may they finish just as strongly as they have begun. May your name be glorified. May the churches, Lord, from the West African nations, Lord, be strengthened and encouraged as their leaders are trained and built up in you. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You might be kind of thinking to yourself this morning, a sermon on relationships from the woman at the well. <laughs> That's kind of not necessarily a focus that we uh, are familiar with or um, think about as we think about this story. But I just want to make mention as we begin that this story is powerful in the sense of of, of what it has to share with us in regards to relationships. And in this story, I believe some of the power that lies within is our ability to identify with the woman that Jesus is talking to. Because... As we talk about relationships this morning, I am, I am well aware of the fact that even mentioning the topic ex- itself for some of you causes you to kind of retreat. <laughs> because when we think about relationships, whether they're with 
uh, you know, a spouse or a sibling or a friend or a family member or someone that we've known for all of our lives. It oftentimes is a mixed bag where there's good and bad, there's joy, there's pain. There is a very clear direction that is healthy and right, but then there are these things that cause us to kind of throw our hands up and wonder what to do. And, and as you kind of hear the word relationship, all of these kinds of emotions are starting to well up within you. And I just believe this morning... That um, the temptation to, 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 to reject uh, what Jesus is talking about is real because we don't want to see a band-aid taken off. We're very comfortable with kind of a healing that can take place on the surface. And, and when we're very comfortable in living with pain that is deep down within. And I think that's right where the woman at the well found herself. She had grown so accustomed to a certain type of, of, of a, a relational brokenness that she was, had come to the place where she was living with a pain that was deep within. And she just had said to herself, this is the way my life is going to be. And then Jesus comes. And he has an encounter with her. And he says, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. You've experienced disappointment and regret and pain. But there's another well that you can drink from that will pluck these things out of your life and make you whole. It will make you strong. That will, that will transform you. And as we think about that, I want you to to notice the posture of her heart. Because she could have rejected Jesus. But rather, the posture of her heart was this. She didn't build a wall. She received His words. And that therein lies the key. She was not allowing her life to be defined by the brokenness of relationship that she had experienced, but rather she was saying, I am going to listen to the words you are sharing with me. And I think that if we all do that this morning, we can have a very similar experience to her in that we can know the life-giving flow of Jesus' power in our life to bring healing and to change us. So in essence, if you want to kind of boil it down to just a very simple statement, what I believe Jesus is bringing to this woman at the well is this. It's a choice, and it's a choice she didn't know that she had. He essentially is saying to her, you can continue to drink from the well of brokenness, or you can drink from a well of blessing that is found in me. We're all faced with that same choice. When we were in worship, um, the Lord just kind of whispered into my ear, I want you to share something. And I said, Lord, I don't want to share this. Because <laughs> it's very personal to me. It's, 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 uh, it's an experience that... that um, you know, I had recently, and uh, in many ways, I think it probably uh, began to uh, facilitate the process of what we're 
we're talking about this morning, and it's, it's very real. Um, I, um, I was in prayer not all that long ago. And um, just kind of praying for some normal things and putting some things before the Lord and, and uh, just, just trying to, to look for His direction and His guidance and for me and for the church and just for some other things. And, and then the Lord just kind of brought something up. Just like out of the blue. You ever had God do that? You know, like you're your thoughts are tracking in one direction, and then he just kind of totally puts you on a different path, you know? And um, what I started to dwell on were some, you know, experiences from my past that had been very painful. They were relational um, in regards to people that I love deeply who I've lost, who, who, who are gone. And uh, it goes way, way back. Um, both of them were taken early. My grandmother at 59 and uncle at 42. Okay. Very influential people in my life. And um, as I was thinking about this again, the Lord kind of gave me a bird's eye view and just kind of seeing uh, life, you know, from a, from a vantage point of, of where I was seeing just kind of a, a timeline and a journey that I'd been on. And um, what the Lord really started to open my eyes to was that um, in relation to those people that I loved, as I was living my life after their passing, I had this thought that would come through my mind periodically as I was facing challenges and living life and, 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 and going about pastoring and raising my kids and living out my life with my wife and my family and extended family. And, and the thought was this. You know, I just... Um, I just want to make them proud. You know, that if they were still here with me today, you know, they would, they would see what I'm about and what I'm doing. And, I, and, and um, I just hope they'd be proud. I told you to hit close to home. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of quiet in here right now because I don't think I'm the only one who's ever had that thought. And um, as I was just kind of processing through these things, I just heard that still small voice whisper into my ear in that moment, Jared, you have nothing to prove. And it was just a burden. It was just like something was just kind of lifted. Something I didn't even know I was carrying. 
something that had just become so commonplace. I, I just didn't kind of realize the significance of it. And I think that Jesus is kind of having that same kind of encounter with the woman at the well in John 4. He's just kind of coming alongside of her where she was at. And he's speaking to her in such a way that he is not laying out her laundry list of failures. But he's ministering to her need. I think that's what Jesus wants to do today. And I, I came away from that... Um, that moment that I had with the Lord and as I was kind of processing it days later, it just kind of reminded me that the enemy of our soul is very crafty and he's very cunning. The Bible says that he sets traps and snares that are meant to entangle us and to bind us up. And he wants to do it in such a way that we don't even know what's happening. But when we have the posture of heart, like the woman at the well, where we say, Jesus, I'm wanting to hear what you are saying. Those things become exposed. And Jesus sets us free. So this morning, as we talk about relationships... I believe that one of the things the Lord wants to do in all of us is he wants to give us hope again this morning. He's wanting you to know that there is a reality in him that doesn't root your life in past failure, but rather there's a well of brokenness that we are familiar with drinking from, but it can be replaced with a well of blessing. So let's look into the story here a little bit. The story of the woman at the well. We know that she has had encounter with Jesus. It's just kind of this one-on-one moment, and we learn quickly about her life. She's been married five times. She's now living with somebody. We see there that she's traveled there alone, which was not customary for um, a, a, a woman of that time period. It was not only not the custom, but it wasn't safe to travel to a well because it was oftentimes it was a journey and there are all kinds of things that, that could, could happen there. But what we see with her in, in, in the sense of uh, what has happened to her in regards to relationship and the fact that she's traveling alone is that um, she has come to a place in life where she's somewhat of an outcast. Her life choices have put her in a position of of low social status. She's carrying her burdens alone. It appears as though she doesn't have the benefit of of friends and and of a support structure around her, of people that can help her and, and talk her through and point her in a healthy direction. She appears to be very, very isolated. But then Jesus comes, and he strikes up a conversation with her, and and, and, and he doesn't spend all of his time, as I've already said, telling her about how messed up her life is, but rather he ministers to, her, to, to, to the reason why she has failed in relationships. He ministers to the brokenness that she has experienced, and he gives her a choice she didn't know she had. 
You don't have to drink from the well of brokenness anymore. You can drink from a well of blessing. And as the story unfolds, we're going to hit two basic, simple, quick points. The first one is this, that when we drink from the well of brokenness, we are setting ourselves up for failure because without God, our relationships are set up for failure. See, a part of what Jesus is doing here is he's revealing who he is. I mean, she draws the conclusion herself that that this is no ordinary man. This must be the Messiah. And and, and she she has lived out life the way that she has because she was living it outside of the context of Messiah and God and having relationship with him. And that reminds us this morning that without God, our relationships are set up for failure. So the woman at the well was trusting in people to meet her deepest needs, not in God. That really was the the heart shift that Jesus is wanting to make in her life. She was trusting people for her needs and not God. And, and, And you can say, well, maybe she just, you know, she was dealt a bad hand in life. I want to point out the fact here that that Jesus doesn't tell her that the five men she was married to were duds. He doesn't say to her, what a bunch of losers, you got a raw deal. But no, he says, you've been drinking from the wrong well. That's why you've ended up in these relationships that have been stuck in a cycle and a pattern that is broken. It's because you've been drinking from the wrong well. We are designed to have God at the center of our relationships. Just think of the story of creation. God creates Adam and Eve before sin enters the garden. There is perfect union between man and his creator. And God never intended for us to be in relationship where he was not the center. But now after the fall, We are bent towards relationships that don't look to God to supply our need, but relationships that look to others. That was never God's intent. I want to give you like four, four basic needs that we all have. Probably our four deepest needs. They're fundamental to all of us. Um, Someone put it this way. We all have an operating system that runs in the background of our lives. And these four things are a part of that programming. Part of our design. and How God has made us. I'm going to go through them quickly here. We all long deeply for acceptance. Each of us were uniquely knit together by God in our mother's womb, and we long to be accepted for who we are. And the Scriptures tell us that God is not only the one who makes us, but 
but he's the one who embraces us. He's the one who wants to be with us. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you are in Christ, it means that you are accepted. You are a part of his family. That when God is at the center, we are never in a place where he turns his eye away from us. In fact, that verse in Hebrews 13, it uh, gives us a promise of God's presence. He's, He's with us spiritually and emotionally, but, but that word leave there also gives us the connotation and the understanding that God never turns his heart away from those who are in him. That, that, that when, when the blood of Jesus is received and we are in Christ, God never turns his heart away from us. We are accepted. We are accepted. But we look for acceptance in ways that cannot Fulfill us through achievement or praise, through what we do, when in reality acceptance is found in who we belong to and who is at the center of our lives. Acceptance and then identity. Identity. Every one of you have not only been knit together in your mother's womb by God, but God has made you to be someone special. A part of your identity is a design. And you're unique. There are some things that we share in common, but there's only one you. Revelation 2.17, listen to this. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no, no one knows except him who receives it. You know, there's a lot in Revelation, right, that we, we struggle to understand sometimes, uh, symbolism and, and future events and things that are yet to unfold, and we, we study them and we, we, we try to, to grasp them so that we can know the days and the times that we, we live in, but this one is pretty clear. That when you are in Christ and you overcome and we ultimately enter into that reward, that we're, we're, there's, there's going to be a name that is going to be given to us that, that is only known between us and the Lord. So it's on a white stone. Stones back in Old Testament times oftentimes were given as gifts. You know, there was a rarity to it. And as, as one was being received by a host, sometimes a stone would be given. And, and it's a beautiful picture, I think, sometimes of what it's going to look like when God receives us into that eternity that he has waiting for us. But here, here's the substance behind it. Only God can tell you who you are. Only God can tell you who you are. That's why when God is not at the center of our relationships, we are set up for failure. Because people can only tell you what they want you to be or who they think you should be. But God tells you who you are. Some of you have had voices in your lives. And those voices have spoken. And they've spoken regularly. They've spoken consistently. They've spoken harshly. 
And those words are planted deep within you. And some of you have been living out a journey where you are trying to live up to someone else's standard or expectation. And I want to tell you today that Jesus wants you to drink from a well of blessing because he gives us freedom from those things that are outside of the way he designed us and made us. I think that's a big part of the reason why the Lord spoke to me in that moment. You have nothing to prove. You're not, you're not living to make other people proud. And you know what? You know, the enemy knows what kind of traps to set because, you know, there are, a part of my design is to get things done and to, and, and, and to just kind of grab hold of something, get it done, move forward. That's kind of how God wired me. But you know what? Uh, following him and doing his work looks like doing it for him. In his timing and calling, and not someone else's. Only God can tell you who you are. The third thing that we all long for is security. We live in a troubled world. We we don't know what will happen next. And if you try to live in this world without Christ at the center you are going to be pulled in all kinds of directions and you're going to focus on all kinds of things that are not going to give you life. Because when, when we know the Creator and the One who has the plan and the One who is going to write the final chapter and the One who holds eternity in His hands, that is the most secure place to be. Isaiah 40, verse 12, and even the verses in front of it and behind it, Isaiah is just kind of painting a picture of God and His greatness and how we should be in awe of Him. But here's what he says in verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? God is great. He's greater than every form of trouble that comes our way. And you know what? When he's at the center, we are secure. When we are trying to walk our own way, we find ourselves filled with anxiety. Because we are powerless. But when we're in him, we're held within the hand of the one who has all power. Acceptance, identity, security, and then the last one, purpose. It's part of our operating system. Underneath that word purpose, I wrote the question, why should I get up? Because you know what? When we are lacking purpose, We struggle to find the motivation to even begin the day. But when we know Christ and we're in relationship with Him and He is at the center, He begins to answer the question, you know, why am I here and what am I to do? And those answers, though they're unique to all of us, have this thing in common. They are all for His glory. They are all for eternal purposes. 
And he is the only one who gives those assignments. These are the operating systems of our lives. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And the woman at the well was filling these deepest longings with the wrong people and the wrong things. And Jesus says, if you keep drinking from that well, you will remain thirsty. Because without God, our relationships are destined to fail. But there's another well, the well of blessing. Jesus makes it possible for us to drink from a well of blessing. He, 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 he reveals himself to us in such a way that, that we, we begin to see life clearly. We begin to see him as the answer, the solution, the one who can help us at our point of need, just like he did for that Samaritan woman. And knowing him is the place where it all begins. But I want to remind you this morning, church, that after we do know him, the Holy Spirit empowers us to keep drinking from that well. This is not a one-time drink. This is not a cup, and then we move on. But rather, this is a come and drink again kind of proposition. It's a pattern and a lifestyle that we are to demonstrate in our lives. We reject the well of brokenness time and time again. And we continue to come back to the well of blessing that Jesus has made available to us. Our lives are like an engine that is designed to live on the oil of the Holy Spirit flowing through it. Think about that for a minute. I just want you to, to, to kind of grasp this and get this picture today. That, that, that there is a work of the Holy Spirit that happens within believers that carries the work of God forward in us. That's why we're called to walk in the Spirit. And we're not going to drink from the well of blessing outside of the work of the Spirit in our lives. But when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know this, your relationships are powerful. Not only for what God does in you, but what He does around you. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit begins to multiply. We move from an old life to a new life that's defined by new things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Drinking from the well of blessing, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does a work in us where those things multiply and the Holy Spirit changes your wanter and your canner? All right. What's a wanter? Simply what you desire. It's what you want. The woman at the well just said, Well, I want to get married again. She did it five times. And then she's living with somebody and not married. And she's starting to kind of reconstruct the plan a little bit so that it's less painful. And you know what? The Holy Spirit changes our wanter in the sense that we move from a place 
where we're operating within our own reserves to a place where we have a new heart, a new desire that wants the things that only God can produce within us. He changes our canner because before Jesus, we don't even think these things are possible. Is it possible for a person to live in love? Is it possible to experience joy in relationship? Is it possible to be long-suffering? Only with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So there is a war that happens. It's It's a war between two kingdoms, two factions, two opposing forces. When we walk by the Spirit, we drink from the well of blessing. When we walk by the flesh, we drink from the well of brokenness. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, your relationships are powerful. God gives you what you need. And He is the source. Or when we walk by the flesh and drink from the well of brokenness, needs are transferred to others. Here's the curse of brokenness, because you, know, you might be wondering, well, what well am I drinking from? Here's the curse of brokenness. We look to people as the primary, And we develop this pattern of life where we can only give a drink if they give us a drink too. The voids, the gaps that exist, we long to fill them. And we pull those resources from others. And then in our relationships... They move to the place where people are seen as a commodity in the sense that if you don't have something to give me or to fill me up with, I don't see the value of having relationship with you. Jesus is telling the woman at the well, it doesn't have to be that way. Listen to these words in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. See, Jesus meets us at the place of brokenness, and he says to each and every one of us, If you will ask, if you will ask, I will give you a drink, verse 14. And here's the change it produces. The person who drinks from the well of blessing relates to people in a different way. They say, I will give you a drink, and I don't care if you give me a drink in return. And I'm willing to hand out water all day long. Because you don't meet my needs. My source is the Lord. And we see how quickly this process can produce transformation. 
Because here at the beginning of a conversation, Jesus is speaking to a woman who is very broken, very isolated, and a person who is not knowing where to go or how to deal with it. But at the end of this this conversation with Jesus, where where he begins to, to, to reveal to her that your problem is you've been drinking the wrong water, and the right water is found in me. And as you drink of that water, you are going to experience a freedom and a transformation that nothing else can produce. And the change happens within her quickly and radically. It says in verse 28, she left her water pot. So literally at the end of this conversation, we see this woman who had carried this water pot. A distance we do not know how far, but it had to be a fair enough journey. And she moves to the place, she leaves that pot down, and she runs back into the village. And she tells everybody about the man who told her everything about her life. You see, drinking from the well of blessing overcomes the brokenness quickly. When she left that pot of water, she let it go, the word means in the Greek. And she she wasn't any longer willing to drink from the same well, but rather, she was changed. She was finding a new source. And she went from being an outcast to an influencer. Jesus radically changed her position. A woman at the well alone to one who in a few short moments was leading the village to the one who showed her where life could be found. How do we drink from that well? I remind you in closing that Jesus is a free gift. He says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God. This story reveals the gift of God. Life and freedom. Found in Jesus. And as you become aware of that gift, come to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 We inevitably find ourselves in the position where we, are, we say to ourselves, you know what, I, I need more of this and less of that. The throne of grace is where we find it. Come before the Lord, and a friend of mine has a phrase, and I like it. He says, your problems are nothing more than a prayer list. A prayer list that you bring before the throne of grace. So that we can come and receive what we need. I'm going to ask Pastor Mari to come. We're going to close in a word of prayer here. Why don't you stand with me?
Let's just come before that throne of grace right now in this closing moment by humbling ourselves and and bowing our heads and our hearts before the Lord and asking Him, you know, this question, Lord, what are you speaking to me? might be that in some way in your life you've you've been trying to drink from both wells. It's part of growing up in in, in Christ is that we we leave the old things behind a little more every day. And today the Lord's just saying, you know what, it's it's time to time to not turn to that old well anymore, but fix your attention on me. well have you been drinking from? Lord, I just pray right now that in this this moment you would speak to us. Lord, I just pray that you would um, focus our attention right where it needs to be. Lord, it might be something that we are aware of. It, it might be something that we've never seen before. So Lord, open our eyes today. Open our eyes today. We don't want to drink from the wrong well. We want to drink from your well alone. Lord, I just pray that as you shepherd our hearts, Lord, in that way, let's pray, Lord, for a a fresh drink, for living water to flow as you promised it would. And may heart change and transformation happen in us, Lord, just like it happened in that Samaritan woman. clear vision to see the steps that are ahead. Help us to walk them, not just today, but in the week to come. We're going to just close with a quick chorus, and I think it just kind of leads our hearts into that deeper place of trust in Jesus. It's just the chorus of a song that Chris Tomlin came out with years ago, actually, and it's just enough. So Pastor Marty, would you lead us in that? And let's just sing this together as, as an anthem. So I'm going I'm to just stay towards the front, and if you have something that you would like to receive prayer for, towards a dismissal, I would just invite you to come, receive prayer. I want to ask one final question before we go, though, and that is just this. There, um, there is no well of blessing without Jesus as Lord. You're here today and you would just say, I need to make Christ the Lord of my life.
turn around, turn away from a pattern that just has me in the driver's seat. God, very far away from my thoughts. If you'd like to make Christ your Lord and Savior today, it begins with a prayer of faith and declaration. And we'd like to lead you in that prayer and help you start that journey. But we'd like to know who you are. And if anyone's here today and you'd say, I need to make Christ my Lord and Savior. Maybe for the first time, maybe it's coming back to him. Would you just raise a hand? Father, as we leave this place, pray that you would watch over us and keep us. May your grace go before us. May we drink, Lord, from your well of blessing that is filled with living water more and more each day. We pray, Lord God, that others would see your work in us, that they too might know you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may go encourage one another in the name of the Lord. If you would like to receive prayer, I'm going to just linger towards the front and would, be, would love to pray for you. Go in the grace and the peace of our God, and we look forward to worshiping with you again soon. Thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. We would love to have you join us for a service in person. Our service times are on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with discipleship groups meeting before the service at 9 o'clock. God bless you.